We are now going to get into our message this morning, so prepare your hearts to your word from God. See, my name is Nate. I'm joined here. Well, thank you. That's so kind of you. I appreciate that. I'm joined here by Josh. I'll tell you more about him in a second. But we are starting a series today called Off the Hook. Uh, it's about mercy. And Josh had something happen in his life this week that, uh, that I shot, thought we, well, and, and Josh invited me to, uh, to share it with you, not realizing that God spent a few years setting up a good sermon illustration for us today. Uh, but this happened this week, and it's about what we're talking about. So let's give a little bit of background. Josh, if you haven't had a chance to meet him, um, came to Christ a couple of years ago. He was a co-worker of my wife, Michelle, and he was, he was one of those people that you would think would never come to church, he would never come to the Lord. And the reason Michelle thought that is because Josh told her, I will never come to your church. <laughs> So it was pretty obvious, and um, but ended up um, ended up coming one service, and he uh, and he uh, and he gave his life to the Lord. So that was about two years ago this month. So it's amazing. Well, before he started following the Lord, about a year before that, so three years ago, he was in his apartment when he had a surprise visit by federal investigators who smashed open his door, uh, ransacked his house, arrested him, and then um, started a three-year process. It wasn't supposed to be that long, but um, the plan was he was going to go to jail and he was gonna go to jail for 20 years. That, that was what it looked like three years ago. And, um, up until that moment, I, the, the, fed, the, the federal uh, investigators busting open his door gave him a little bit of a wake-up call, probably literally and figuratively. And the lifestyle that he'd lived in, what do you think? Was it 20 years? Uh, I was yeah, about 15 years. About 15 years of um, being, in, uh, being using drugs, dealing drugs, committing violent crimes, um, being part of uh, uh, being part of uh, 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 being part of a legitimate gang, not like the one I was in in fifth grade. Being part of a legitimate one. Uh, no, I mean, anyway. So that kind of that entire period of his life, we kind of realized, yeah, I need to get clean. I need to, I need to change. So. A year after that, give his life to Christ. So this week, um, Josh has had, since he came to Christ, there's been a couple court dates that we've prayed for Josh about that, um, you know, that God's will would be done, but that God, you know, the, the, the restoration that God's been doing in his life, God would continue to do it. 
So it got pushed off a bunch of times, and it was finally this past week that, um, that it was finally the court date. Josh sat with his lawyer in front of the prosecutor, in front of the judge, and what was a 20-year term over the last three years, the, the, the feds were, had recommended it be a year in prison. And so that was what they were recommending, and so which was, which was amazing to go, to have 19 years removed, and we're praising God for that, ultimately. Yep. Um, but at the court hearing, the judge who's been sitting on that judge for 27 years um, gave Josh a sentence called time served. And for those of you who are not familiar, that means that he doesn't have to serve any prison time. They're consider- considering the last three years as his prison time. So Josh cried like the first time he came to church here. <laughs> and essentially, the judge let Josh off the hook, right? That he had something he, des- he deserved, mm-hmm. all right? He was not saying not guilty. He had something that he deserved, something that he did. And the judge said, I'm gonna give you mercy I'm gonna let you off the hook on this. And the life that you've lived already, we're gonna count that as your punishment. And so you, know, you move forward, meeting these protocols for, for the, next, uh, the next time being, and then that's that, which is amazing. A couple of things as we jump into this series, Mercy. One, God lets off, off, the, off the hook. There's a lot of things that we're guilty of that we should receive punishment for. And we sit before our judge, a righteous judge, God the Father, and he, you know, and, and we've, got, we've got one before us. We've got Jesus, who's our advocate, who sits in front of us. And, and God looks at Jesus and said, what should happen? And he said, I'll, you know, whatever, I'll pay that punishment. And then there's a prosecutor. Not all prosecutors are this way, all right? But the, but the, but the devil's on the other side of that courtroom and saying, what should happen to him? And he's saying, punish him, punish him, punish him. And God says, hey, because of Jesus, you're free. And that's what we're jumping into this series. Josh, thank you for sharing that testimony. Proud of you. We, first off, first off, we never know, no matter how much someone tells us, don't invite me to church, I won't come with you, we never know who will receive that. Don't you as an individual ever say, God, that person would never come and make the decision for them, not to invite them. Um, about a month ago, uh, uh, someone that Josh and Michelle both know who is in recovery, his higher power in recovery was Satan. So you say, who's your higher power? He would, my higher power is Satan, Satan tattoos. That's who he prays to, that's who he worships. Uh, he gave his life to Jesus in this building about a month ago. Never, ever, ever decide who God can and cannot reach. We did a series on grace one year ago um, in May of last year, 
And though we say them together often, God's grace and God's mercy are not the same thing. They mean different things. This is the clearest way that I've ever seen it, and I'll share it with you. To, you can memorize this, uh, write this down to help, you to, um, to help you to differentiate between the two. Grace is God giving us what we didn't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we did deserve. So we didn't deserve forgiveness, love, kindness, his generosity. We didn't deserve Jesus, but he gave that to us. That's his grace. And he, his mercy is not giving us the things we did deserve, the judgment, the punishment, the death. He doesn't give us those things because of Jesus. Grace is receiving something. Mercy is not receiving something. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 9. And this series that we're in off the hook, the next four weeks, we're going to be in Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 11. And so be, I just encourage you to be reading that on your own time and to be studying it on your own time. You're gonna, there is a lot in these four weeks that we can't even begin to cover in these four weeks, but we're gonna hit these, this main theme of mercy, but lots of other things for you to begin to study in there. We talk about uh, Jewish people, God's chosen people, Gentiles, those who are outside of the Jewish people who God chose to save. How does that happen? A lot of that's covered in this in, in these chapters, and, and we'll hit on different points of it. Um, it's kind of a, a, a really amazing few months of sermon series coming up. We've got uh, this series. When it finishes up, we jump into our annual anthem series, which is where we take a song from culture and a song from the Bible and, and kind of compare the two. That's going to be it's a, good, it's a good one coming up. Uh, really excited about all the things that we're preaching. We're then, we're doing a six-week uh, series on the, on the life of Paul. And then from that, we're doing a series titled The Office, which we've got a lot of things in, surpri- a lot of things in store, a lot of surprises for you in that series, where we just talk about how do we, how do we live the Christian life within our workplace So amazing, amazing few months. I'd encourage you not to miss a week because if you do, you will miss a lot. Like if you missed last week, I preached the longest sermon ever. There was a guy here from Guinness World Books and and so you'll see it in there next year. This week I'm gonna go short, but you've gotta help me with my timer or it's gonna be a repeat of last week. And uh, and then, so anyway, here we go. I wanna read to you Romans chapter nine, verses 17 through 24. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. That verse right there is one of the most uncomfortable um, verses of scripture that exist, just so you know. Verse number 19, well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? 
When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he's very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. Those are people who have, who have become, who have moved in opposition to God. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. We're going to move pretty quickly to this because I made a commitment to you a long time ago. Um, that if I preach long one week, I'm going to try to make up the time the next week. So hold on to your seats. Pretend you're in the Disney Avatar ride because we are about to go for it. So first thing that we see from the scripture, and certainly there's a lot in here, but on the subject of mercy, we see this. God gives mercy. Amen. Amen. But we also see this, God gives judgment. And this is the part that people try to ignore and forget. And sometimes this is why people refuse God. Oh, God punishes people for, for living a life of sin. God punishes people for, um, for the things that they've, the crimes that they've committed, the things that they've done, the things that they haven't laid before Jesus. Then I want nothing to do with him. Interestingly, people also reject God because of his mercy. Oh, that person who, who hurt me, that person who, who, who did these famous crimes, if they just ask Jesus to forgive them, he'll do that. Yeah, well, then I don't want anything to do with him. His mercy and his judgment caused people on both sides of it to reject him, but they are in perfect, perfect balance. He does not decide, I'm going to, you know, like, like maybe an earthly judge would, that I need to make an example out of this person, or because this person is rich, I'm going to let them off the hook. He... God is a perfect judge. Every decision he made is perfect. It could not have been made in any other way to have been made right. Verse number 18 says, so you see God chooses to show mercy on some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. There's two big um, uh, theological thoughts on this one scripture. One side says, see, this shows that God chooses everyone who follows him and everyone who doesn't. And then the other side would say, see, this shows us that, um, that if we choose not to follow God, then God lets us take that path and, and our hearts grow even harder. What does this mean? Well, it means one thing, you can receive mercy. That there are people who say, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, have mercy on me, and people receive that. And this morning at Restoration Church, we believe that you are one of those people. That if you would allow Jesus to work in your life, you can receive the mercy of God. You do not have to receive the justice or the judgment of God. We love to celebrate the story of God delivering the Hebrew people from slavery. For 400 years, they were slaves to the nation of Egypt. And God chose Moses to go before 
Pharaoh and to ask him and then to demand of him to let all of the Jewish slaves go, which was not like a few hundred. Uh, the Jewish people, after 400 years of being in bondage and slavery, there were well over a million of them between men, women, and children. And so this was going to definitely cause an economic disruption for this nation to let them go. We love to celebrate the fact that Pharaoh did let them go. And they started their journey, that there were miracles where they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground as God held up the waters and allowed them to pass through. We love to celebrate that, but we forget that there's another part of the story where God didn't just show compassion on the Hebrews, but he brought justice on the Egyptians. After 400 years of slavery and mistreatment, after the 10 plagues that forced Pharaoh to ultimately say, kind of get out of my sight, get out of here. As soon as they left, they packed up and left, he changed his mind and he began, he sent his army to chase them down and bring them back. And so these first moments of, of freedom are moments on the run where they realize there's an army pursuing them and they've backed themselves up against the Red Sea with nowhere to turn and it seemed like what little freedom they had was about to disappear. And this is where God brought justice. When the Red Sea parted, we don't really sing this too much in our songs, but when they crossed through and the armies chased after them, as soon as that last Hebrew crossed over into dry shore, God released the waters and destroyed the army. And some would again say, how, how could God kill people? Why would God kill people? Again, the one thing that's hard for us to understand is God's justice is perfect. So here we have an army that's been mistreating people for 400 years, holding them in slavery for 400 years, lets them go moments later, decides to get them back. And God says, these people are free. And their crimes that they've committed, they received a punishment for. Now, we've mentioned this a couple of times, his use of mercy is perfect. We, we, he comes to this question, why does God blame people for not responding? So how can God judge people for not following him if he's hardened their hearts against them? And this kind of, again, brings us into this, uh, this theological um, tornado that has been ongoing since this scripture was written. How can this be? How can God judge people for what he's decided they would be in a restoration church, what we would communicate and what we would teach and understand from this is first his, his, his mercy and his justice are perfect. But secondly, we have ability to decide in our life to pursue God or not. And I've met people who've because of what they've been taught from scripture, they say, God will never accept me. God will never love me. God will never forgive me. I will never change because this is what God decided me to be. And I have not seen that to be true. I've never seen 
in my life, someone go to God and say, God, forgive me. God, love me. God, make me one of your children. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I make a decision to follow him. And then the heavens open up and God said, no, thank you. <laughs> not you, but how about your kids or your wife? I, I'll take them, but not you. I've never seen God do that. Now, I've seen people whose hearts are very hard toward God, but even this morning, we've seen a witness of that, that even a heart that's been hard to God so long, God's still kind of needling it and getting it to the place where they will follow him. One key scripture for me is in 2 Peter, where it says, God is not willing that any should perish. What's God's will? That all would come to know Jesus. So he comes on, he says, you know, are you to question God? Who God forgives, who God brings justice on, and he compares us to some Plato, compares us to God being the potter. If God decides to make something ornamental out of this one and to, use, and to use another person for different purposes, who are we to tell God as other lumps of clay how he should, what he should design with these other lumps of clay? Who are we to decide that? I grew up in a family where people smoked. It seems like everybody smoked. You, you know, look back at some of those old pictures from when I was a little kid. It's amazing any of us are still alive. It was just a haze of secondhand smoke and ashtrays everywhere and people are giving ashtrays for Christmas and it's just what you did. Probably about the time I was 14, it seemed to have phased out and, and pretty much no one uh, smoked anymore. And there was a big question what do we do with all these ashtrays? I mean, they were everywhere, and, and some of them were cheap kind of plastic ones, and those were easy, but some of them were, were, like, were pretty fancy. Some of them were heirlooms, like this was my great-grandfather's ashtray, and it's like made out of, you know, tusk of an elephant. We're just not, not just going to throw it away. What do we do? And so, thing, you know, you get glass and crystal, and so you end up repurposing it. So some, you know, instead of collecting ash, you put coins in, like the ones in your car. My, my children, when I'm like, oh, put it in the ashtray, and they're like, what's an ashtray? I'm like, the thing that holds coins. So they like, just put it in there. Um, we, you know, people plant flowers in them, make wind chimes out of them, make bird feeders out of them. They're repurposed. In the ashtray, if you ever smoked and, and, and were addicted to smoking and then quit, you've got that ashtray now that's been repurposed. It's a reminder of the past. And in our lives, when God gives us mercy, when he gives us forgiveness, I mean, there's a past there, but he's repurposed us now with a new future. Now, I don't wonder if you've ever saw yourself that way, that you've got a past, but God's repurposed it. He's repurposed you now with a new future. Now, here's kind of a one thing that I want to touch on for a little bit, because I think people get prideful over this scripture where they shouldn't, where it says that some people have made, um, uh, some people have made 
Uh, one, God has made some to be decorations and he made some to be garbage cans, some for noble purposes, some for ignoble purposes. And people are like, you're looking in the mirror and they're like, God has certainly used me for decoration. And some people look at the problems in their life and they, and they think, or they look at other people and they're like, I can see looking through the crowd like, oh yeah, that person's a garbage can, that person's a garbage can. I'm pretty sure God made them an outhouse, God person. <laughs> And we get prideful. And I tell you what, religious people get prideful. And then when God cleans them up and dresses them up, they forget that it was God who cleaned them up and dressed them up. And they begin to look down on all these other people. And you get very, like, you know, I could never, you know, whatever, serve in that department. I could never you know, preach for less money than this. I, I've been designed for noble purposes. I've been, and like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And here's the big, 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 big theological point here. You've got to get right now. You have got to get this. So, um, so get, get your pen out. Get, maybe get your phone out. Because if you can get this, this brings so much change in your life. This is just dramatically changes your relationship with God and with Jesus. I had to catch my breath. I want to make sure I don't stutter. I don't want you to miss this. All right, let's set the stage. We're all clumps of clay. God's a potter. He's made us. He designs what, he decides what our purpose is. But here's the big thing that we miss. We are all ashtrays. So when it says that God's designed us for, for purposes, he, we are all ashtrays, and then we choose to continue in that, or when we choose to follow him, then he repurposes us as ashtrays into coin collectors or wind chimes or bird feeders. We, when we begin to think from the very beginning that, I, you know, I'm a crystal chandelier, and they're, um, they're a terracotta, um, upside-down candle home heater. And we begin to think that we, are, that we are somehow different from the very beginning. We are not different. We've all been made ashtrays, but through Jesus, he repurposes our life into something else. Where's my proof of this? Same book, Romans chapter 3, verse number 23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. The amazing thing about us is that God has repurposed us instead of discarding us. When he's looked at us and we're like, that's an ashtray, I don't need another ashtray. He, he does something new with our life. He transforms us. He takes our past. He doesn't try to hide it or deny it but then he uses it for something completely different and it's a promise to repurpose us. There's a past you were saved from, but there's a new future you've been given. Now here's the, kind of the next thing here as we run through this passage of scripture. It says God's mercy shines brighter, or it is this, God's mercy shines brighter than his judgment. We can focus on judgment, people can focus on judgment, uh, churches can focus on judgment, but that's not what it's supposed to be. His, his mercy is what's supposed to be shining. His mercy is what we should be pointing at. Not somehow 
being happy that, um, that people will receive judgment, but man, worshiping and being gracious that we've received his mercy and man, praying, praying for your ex, praying for that neighbor, praying for that boss, praying for that person, that they would receive that mercy. Verse number 23, it says he does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy who were prepared in advance for his glory. His, his judgment is gonna be there. It's gonna happen. You can't escape it outside of Jesus. Not living right, not talking right, not dressing right, not attending services. And that was kind of what he was talking about in chapter nine. Listen, just because you're Jewish does not mean you're just, because, just does not mean that you know God. Just because you were born of Abraham does not mean that you're part of his people. Abraham had other children. He had, he had Ishmael with Hagar. He had an, another few kids with a wife after Sarah passed away. And the promise wasn't for them. And so you could be of Abraham, but not be of God. And it would say you could be religious, you could be around religious people, you could call yourself a Christian, but that doesn't mean you know God. It comes not from an outward behavior, it comes from receiving inward mercy. We'll talk about this last part a lot more next week, but his mercy is for everyone. Verse number 30, what does this mean? Even though the Gentiles who were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. They got these people living wild, reckless lives, but yet when they're presented with Jesus, they give their life to him. How does that happen? Why would God allow some, why would God take someone who's living wildly come to know him? Because again, it's not based on how we're acting right now. It's based on how we act when we hear his good news, when we hear about Jesus. It was by faith that this took place, verse number 31, but the people of Israel, these are the people of God. They tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, but they'd never succeeded. God, I will prove to you that I'm worth something. I'm gonna do all these right things. But it didn't work, why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in Him. This is the big deal. It's not religious ritual that gets us to heaven. It's putting our faith in Jesus giving our life to Jesus. And this is they stumbled over the great rock in their path. It's a huge rock in the road that they keep crashing into over and over again, trying to do it by themselves, trying so hard to get right with God, but all they had to do was receive his mercy by faith. Listen, this morning, if you're here and you've been following Jesus for a long time, I would just encourage you, one, don't compare your purposes to anybody else. All right, we're all ashtrays. If that person's a bird feeder or that person's a wind chime and you're holding a bunch of sticky pennies, don't, don't begin to say, God, that's not fair, God, it's not fair. No, begin to celebrate. Begin to celebrate the freedom that you've received through Jesus that you've been repurposed for his purposes. And whatever, wherever he wants to place us in his home, what an honor to be used by God in his home. What an honor that we didn't end up in a landfill, that we weren't discarded, but that he took us, cleaned us up, washed us off, and used us for a new purpose. If 
you're here this morning and you're new to following Jesus, could be new over this last week, new over this last year. One of the things that you might struggle with, and I, and I think a different conversations with Josh, he did. It was feeling, wait a minute, how can I just be forgiven? I must punish myself. I can't just receive every good thing that God has for me. That doesn't seem right, so I'm gonna punish myself instead of just letting God take you off the hook. Letting you off the hook instead of just receiving his mercy. You put punishment on yourself. Don't punish yourself. Sometimes we don't even raise our hand in worship because we think, I don't deserve to. Sometimes we don't pray because we think, God, I shouldn't address God. You're misunderstanding his mercy. Yeah, there were things you deserved. Guess what? You don't anymore. As soon as you give your life to Jesus, you don't deserve them anymore. You don't have to do them to yourself either. And then the last thing, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's what you do. And maybe you misunderstood it. Maybe you couldn't, you know, because, I, because we can complicate it, because maybe we've met someone who called themselves a Christian, but they did not get it. We, we end up with this twisted, warped understanding of Jesus and of God. But maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. It's not a complicated thing. You can even pray with your eyes open. Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I ask you to forgive me. And I choose to follow you. And that prayer, when you pray it in faith, which means you're really praying it, he forgives you. He changes you. He lets you off the hook. So I want you to let him give you his mercy. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, even no matter how good you are, just realize you're just a really expensive crystal ashtray. But God has more for you than just allowing your life to, to be part of the devil's dumbing grounds. You close your eyes, let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you, we thank you for, we thank you for this morning's message. We thank you for the sermon series. We thank you for the work you did in Josh's life two years ago and, and the mercy you gave him this week. God, we thank you for all of the delays that you lined it up to be with the start of this series. We can, I just pray we'd all see ourselves in Josh's shoes. Every single one of us, whether we're 10 years old or 80, we were sinners and we deserved the judgment that was poured, that was given to Jesus. But as we sat in your courtroom, as we maybe will one day at the end of our life stand before you, it just comes down to this. It doesn't, it's not, it's not how well we cleaned ourselves up. It's not whether we showed up in a suit or a tie. It's, did you give your life to Jesus? Did you believe in him? Did you follow him? When we answer that question with, yes, I gave my life to Jesus. Yes, I let him forgive me. Yes, I choose to follow him. Then he says, hey, you're off the hook. You're free. You're free to go. 
And as shocking as that is to us, especially when we know the life that we've lived, how great it is to receive your mercy. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for loving us and giving us relationship with your Father. We love you. We pray this all in your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? We'll sing for just a moment, and then Jeremy will.